So today we come to the end of our year with Jesus that we've been really, uh, I've been enjoying uh, since the beginning of the year. We've spent the entire year kind of focusing um, on the gospel readings from the Revised Common Lectionary all the way going back to January. And the neat thing, we've been in year C of the Revised Common Lectionary, and all, almost all the readings come from one particular book in the Bible, and that's been the Gospel of Luke. And so we've dug into the Gospel of Luke over the last year, and we've really set under the teaching an example of Jesus, and we've been, I've been at least challenged um, and inspired and, and really driven uh, to take Jesus even more seriously than ever and follow, and seek to follow his example that he laid out for us. And it's been um, really a, a transformational uh, process uh, for me to continue to study these scriptures and dig into the Gospels um, each and every week. So earlier in the year, we, we started out our year with Jesus, um, really looking at Jesus' first words that he spoke in his public ministry. So when Jesus was an adult, he had kind of gone out into the wilderness and he had gone on this kind of vision quest of sorts and was out there and he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness and he overcome the temptations and then he came out of the wilderness with clarity and vision and purpose and he really knew exactly what he had been called to do. Jesus knew exactly what his mission was and he knew exactly who he was going to be in and for our world. And so when he got out of the wilderness, he went to his hometown in Nazareth and showed up to the synagogue. And in Luke chapter 4, we read what happens. He opened a scroll in the middle of their service, and he chose his passage carefully. They had asked the hometown boy to read that day. They were probably excited to hear what he was going to say. And he found the verse that he wanted to read, and this verse that he found really reveals his heart and his vision and his purpose. And he reads from the book of Isaiah. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These words, I believe, reveal Jesus' heart, his mission, and his purpose. This was Jesus' first sermon. You know, it was maybe one of the shortest sermons that we've ever heard. But it was probably the most important. Because I believe, as I said back in January, that this sermon reveals the beating heart of the gospel. This is what the gospel is about. The beating heart of the gospel is good news for the poor, it is release for the imprisoned. It is sight for those who cannot see. It is freedom for the oppressed and jubilee for all. That's what the year of the Lord's favor is. It's redistribution of wealth and resources so that every single person has enough. That's what Jesus was about. And during our year with Jesus, like it's interesting how Luke lays out his gospel because every single week, we have heard the beating heart of the gospel pounding each and every week as we've read these stories about Jesus. I, you know, I got to the point, I'm like, my sermons are sounding very similar every week. 
And it's because Jesus and Luke is very repetitive. The stories are very repetitive because they're telling the same thing over and over. Every week, it's good news for the poor. Every week, we're, we're seeing release for those in bondage. Every week, we're seeing fresh vision for those who cannot see. Every week, we're seeing freedom for those who are oppressed. Every week, we're seeing Jesus reiterating that we need to share so that everybody has enough. You know, Jesus, he didn't just preach sermons. He lived out sermons. There's a big difference. <laughs> he embodied his message. He didn't just say words. He lived them out. He embodied the gospel by the way he lived his life. If you want to know what God is about, Jesus embodied God's desire and heart for the world in the way he lived his life. And so you don't have to just listen to what he said, but you can actually watch him and learn from him and do what Jesus did. Like I said, Luke is very repetitive in the gospel of Luke. He, he is very repetitive in the way he tells the story of Jesus. He keeps hammering home the heartbeat of the gospel in almost every single story. And perhaps Luke knew something that he needed to show, perhaps beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus stood in solidarity with those who suffered. If you didn't believe it after the first story, then Luke's got dozens and dozens more stories and teachings to show you what Jesus was all about. He was about good news for the poor. He was about release and freedom for those who are in bondage. He was about sight for those who cannot see. Freedom for the oppressed. Flourishing for everyone. You know, I'm grateful for Luke's gospel mainly for this reason. Because more than any of the gospels, Luke really hones in on this heartbeat of the gospel. He doesn't let us off the hook. He doesn't allow us to turn Jesus into someone who props up the powerful or makes us wealthy or allows us to live comfortable while ignoring the suffering of those around us. Luke doesn't let us turn Jesus into like a cool, hip, popular guru who's just there to like be your life coach and help you live the best life. Luke presents Jesus in all his grittiness for who he was and for who he is today. If you actually read and study Luke's gospel, then there is no way to ignore the obvious fact that Jesus stood with those on the margins, he saw them in their suffering, and he offered them a path to freedom. I wonder if Luke feared that the gospel could be twisted and manipulated by those in more powerful and privileged places. Perhaps Luke feared that the inclusive gospel could become an exclusive club that wasn't open to everyone. So I'm going to tell them every story about Jesus reaching out to the people that they've tried to exclude. Or maybe he was concerned that the gospel of love could become judgmental and harsh and mean. Or maybe he was concerned that the peacemaker Jesus could be turned into a supporter of violent uprising or war. Maybe he feared that the poor would be excluded and, and treated as inferior. And so he told story after story after story that showed Jesus standing with those who suffer, advocating for the oppressed, and loving the people that society often discards. And this is why I keep bringing us back to the person of Jesus that we discover in the Gospels. You know, often we talk a lot about Jesus. Sometimes we even worship the Christ while ignoring the person of Jesus. 
I'm not as interested these days, uh, and some days I am, but I'm not as interested right now in talking about Jesus or reading story or reading uh, people's takes on who Jesus was. I haven't been as interested in the letters in the New Testament in the last couple of years, though they're just as important. But I've really wanted to focus in the Gospels and look at what Jesus actually said, how Jesus actually lived, because I think we need the person of Jesus right now. We need a model. We need an example of how we ought to live our lives and how we ought to respond to the things that we're seeing all around us, the crises upon crises that we're facing all around us in our world. And I believe Jesus has a model. He has a path. He has a way that he can lead us to follow that will lead us to life, that will lead us to freedom, and that will lead us to something beautiful and way better than what we're seeing right now in our world. You may not know this, uh, but today is a Christian holiday or a Christian feast day, and it has a name uh, called Christ the King Sunday or the Reign of Christ Sunday. This is a day uh, when Christians celebrate and declare that Jesus is King. Jesus is the ruler of my life. Jesus is the ruler of his church. And Jesus will one day, we acknowledge and we believe, will come here and establish his rule and reign on earth forever. And while we wait for that day, we live now as if Jesus is king. We serve and we honor and we follow Jesus. You know, some people argue we shouldn't celebrate Christ the King Sunday. Um, and I agree with their argument that the word king is a little bit problematic because it often brings to mind inequity, patriarchy, violence, too much wealth in the hands of a few people on top. We've seen far too many examples of earthly kings and kingdoms claiming divine authority to perpetuate a massive amount of evil in our world. That is all true. Though I do want to point out that the point of the holiday really is to point us to Jesus as king and remind us that God never intended to have kings here on earth in the first place. Many Christian holidays have actually been around for a long time, uh, but this one in particular, Christ the King Day, has not been around for all that long. Uh, many Christian holidays originated way back in the early church thousands of years ago. However, Christ the King Sunday is only about 100 years old. It became an official feast day in the church um, in 1925. Pope Pius XI looked around and was gravely concerned about what he was seeing, particularly the rise of fascism, the beginning kind of stages of Nazism, and the prominence of Christian nationalism in Europe. And so Christ the King Sunday was an effort for him to institute this holiday as a reminder that Christians pledge their allegiance to Jesus, not to Mussolini or any other earthly power or leader. Now, I'm not sure that the Pope's goal was achieved because it seems that Christians have, both before and after 1925, still been very confused about kingship and continue to fight for power over others and claim that God has ordained kind of their battles and their fights for their team. I believe the way we combat this is to relentlessly go back to the person of Jesus. Because if we could relentlessly go back to the person of Jesus in the Gospels, then we will continue to be reminded of what God really stands for 
and what true kingship, if we're thinking of biblical kingship, really is about. We will be reminded that Jesus of the New Testament is our king. The Jesus who is king, who sits on the throne, who is the same Jesus who lived and walked among us here on earth. I love the story of the ascension because what you find in the ascension is Jesus, before he left us, in bodily form, went up into heaven. And we believe that Jesus, that same Jesus, still is sitting on the throne. I don't believe Jesus magically turned into some fantasy novel version of Jesus. You know, that has big muscles and a sword and riding shirtless on a horse. King Jesus is the same Jesus that we read about in the Gospel of Luke. The same Jesus who loved the least. Healed people of sickness and loneliness. Spent time with the outcast. Forgave criminals and set the oppressed free. That is the Jesus that we serve. That is the King that we serve. The lectionary text for today that I'm about to read for you in a moment, on the surface, could be viewed as a strange uh, selection for Christ the King Sunday. The text that, that we are given for today is Luke's description of the crucifixion. Now, when I think of a king, I don't think of a powerless victim on a cross. If we're going to declare Jesus as king, I wonder, should we pick a, a section maybe about Jesus' resurrection, right? Because that's power. That that's feels like a king to me. Or maybe a text about an awesome miracle that Jesus did, like feeding the 5,000, right? because that's a, that's a cool thing right there. Or maybe a text where Jesus silences his critics and makes them just look foolish. No, for Christ the King Sunday, we have a text describing Jesus on the cross being mocked, being ridiculed, suffering, lonely, and weak. Jesus isn't like the kings and queens of this world. I want to read from Luke chapter 23. And these are, these are heavy verses. These are the moments where Jesus was on the cross. These are the last moments of Jesus' life as described in the Gospel of Luke. So I'm going to be reading from verses 33 through 43. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood there watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So in this passage, the Romans put a sign above Jesus that read the King of the Jews. 
This was meant to be mockery, making fun of Jesus and the Jewish people. This was also meant to be a warning for anyone who claimed to be king because Caesar was king in the Roman Empire. Little did they know Jesus had more power than Caesar or any other ruler ever to live because his power was rooted in holy and perfect love. The thing that really strikes me about this passage is that when Jesus was on the cross, at the very last and painful moments of his life, he was still being Jesus, right up to the moment of his death. He was crucified between two criminals, further, further, just hammering home that point, the beating heart of the gospel. He's there in solidarity with two criminals. Even as he endured immense suffering and pain, he saw these two men and he loved them. One of the men needed something from Jesus. He needed care. He needed encouragement. He needed a reassurance, a word of hope, a word of peace as he was facing the most excruciating pain of his life. Jesus was also experiencing that pain and still saw this man and cared for him. And spoke a word of life to this criminal the last moments before he died. I want you all to think about this. Jesus' final act before he died was to show compassion and offer redemption to a criminal facing execution. This is the type of king we serve. I heard Shane Claiborne speak about the death penalty a few years ago. And the, the most disturbing thing that he shared in his talk was that 85% of executions in America have happened in the Bible Belt. In places where there are the most Christians, the death penalty is the most prevalent. The biggest supporter in America of capital punishment are Christians. If the Jesus of Luke's gospel is our king, then how can we support the death-dealing, torturous, brutal, and often racist practice of executions in America? This is just one of many reasons why we need to celebrate Christ the King Sunday in America, and I think it could be helpful, because we need to remember that our first allegiance is to Jesus in His way. You know, I've always been a bit confused uh, by the way Christians get so up in arms about protest. I was very, I've been still thoroughly confused when Kaepernick and many other athletes did a very respectful protest by kneeling during the anthem, to raise awareness about very important issues of police brutality and, and racial injustice, that they were just drugged through the mud and Christians thought it was the most abhorrent thing they could ever do. It always has confused me because as Christians, we come from a long legacy all the way to the very beginning in the early church of holy troublemakers who understood deep down in their bones that their first allegiance was to Jesus. And that meant that if anything else got in the way of that, they were willing to stand up against it. A long legacy of holy troublemakers who stood up against the powers of their day because their first allegiance was to Jesus and His way. The question I want us to consider this morning, two questions. If Jesus is king, what kind of king is He? If Jesus, the person of Jesus that we read about in the Gospel of Luke, if he is king, then what kind of king would he be? And then the way we answer that question will help us with the next one. What kind of church should we be if this is our king, if this is who we take our orders from, if this is who we follow? 
I want you all to spend just a moment thinking about that. Now go ahead and invite the worship team to start making their way up to the front. We're going to share communion this morning. And, you know, like I said, Jesus embodied his mission and his message. Jesus was so committed to following the way of God, he was so committed to his path of peace and justice in the world, he was so committed to love and to justice and to goodness and righteousness and all these things. That, that he got himself into a lot of troubling situations. In Luke chapter 4, after he kind of opened the scriptures and he shared from Isaiah this, this beating heart of the gospel, this mission and purpose statement of good news for the poor, after he, he declared this in the, in the synagogue, the text tells us that the people tried to, to bound him they were so angry that, that this is what he chose to read. You've got to ask why. I'm not, not completely sure why they were so angry, but they were. And, and they were so angry that they, bound, they wanted to bind him up and throw him off a cliff. This was the very beginning of his ministry. And then all throughout, Jesus continued to bring light into really dark and broken places. And, and some people were overjoyed by that and were set free and transformed. And, and many others were angered and frustrated, and they were driven mad by seeing Jesus do this. And this is the one we follow. This is the person that we follow. This is our king. Someone so committed to the way of peace in our world, and willing to do whatever it takes. Um, willing to do whatever it takes. And it, and it even took him all the way to his death on the cross. And this is the kind of king we serve. This wounded healer that we sang about. I love that, that language.